Hey, all you blood bags. Tonight we've got a fantastic episode that'll really drain your main vein, if you know what I mean. We're talking about my favorite kind of suckers. No, not the guys who sent money to that Nigerian prince. Vampires. Not just the boring and stiff Nosferatu type, but the sexy and stiff Casanova type, too. If Gary Oldman's your kind of amp, I'm more of a young Bill Paxton fang girl myself. We had a scream watching these crypt dwellers this week and are stokered to share our picks with you. Come hell or high holy water, Speak All Evil is here to fill the hole that that pesky steak left. Why don't you let us come inside? Don't let Keanu's British accent creep you away. Speak All Evil starts in two steaks of a lamb's tail. <laughs> Is that, is that too much? Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent. I am deep down in my tomb of doom. I'm here with Kevin, Kat, Dave. Hey, guys. How's it going? What's going on? I don't know what's so funny. Uh, We're talking about vampires this week. I don't think we need a lot of explanation there. But before we get going, uh, just a quick programming note. Um, We try to remember to tell you guys where to watch the movies that we're talking about. Um, but as you know, one thing that happens is that these movies tend to go on and off different streaming services and different rental platforms, different subscriptions. So what we do is we use justwatch.com, all right? Just watch, one word, justwatch.com. Enter your movie in there. It will tell you every possible place you can watch on the internet. If it's not on there, it's not on the internet. And unfortunately, we do run into that sometimes. And so we try to avoid those movies. And we'll talk about that a little bit more tonight. Um, this is probably my favorite batch of movies that we have done uh, together since, like, maybe the French horror episode, back uh, episode four, I think. Uh, I loved all of these vampire movies. To me, they're all stone cold classics. Kevin, you went old school this week. What'd you bring to the table? So I went with 1987's Near Dark. Um, and unfortunately, like you were just talking about, Trent, at the time that I picked this, it was on the Criterion channel. Um, yes. This is actually 50, 50% of our picks this week were from uh, the Criterion collection. Yes. Um, it's, uh, unfortunately, it's gone. It's, it's not there anymore. Um, so this is a movie, like I said, 1987. I actually never saw this movie until probably around the time Netflix started doing DVDs in the mail. Um, and you'd think watching as much horror as I did as a kid, uh, this came out like in a time when there was a, a ton of horror coming out. I never heard of it. Um, I think it's because it came out the same year as another little vampire movie called The Lost Boys uh, and got lost in the shuffle a little bit. Um, so I didn't catch this until, until like I said, Netflix. Um, and again, it was like DVD delivery. But this is a Catherine Bigelow movie, which, again, I also didn't know that Catherine Bigelow directed this until I revisited it um, last week or whenever I, I caught it. Um, 
you know, she she has a very diverse catalog. Probably one of her better known movies was uh, Point Break. Um, but I love this movie. I love Bill Paxton. I love that we have a Bill Paxton back-to-back week uh, with Dave having frailty. Um, and basically, to kind of kick off the conversation, this movie um, is essentially taking the cast of Aliens and putting them as a bunch of vampires uh, all traveling across the country in a van with all of the windows blacked out. Um, but I'd love to know what you guys think of it, because uh, obviously I have plenty more. Uh, I thought this was a very interesting vampire movie. I had never seen it. I definitely saw The Lost Boys, so I think I was kind of comparing it to that the whole time. But it's very different. Um, both, like, I guess it's kind of similar style-wise. Like, it's a Western, like, definitely, like, it's out in the Midwest, like Oklahoma or something like that. Um, and it, there weren't, like... I like that there weren't a lot of, like, traditional tropes, like, for the vampires. Like, they were, you know, driving around in their little tin-foiled-out van. Uh, but there, you know, there's no crosses. There's no holy... No one's coming to, like, get them with holy water. Like, it's all a very... Um, you know, what would normal people in a Midwestern town do if all of a sudden these freaky people walked into their bar and started doing, like, some weird shit. Like, they're just trying to shoot them, and it's obviously not working. Um, but, yeah, the... Um, it was hard to, like, be on the team, like, team vampire for this movie, because most of the people, well, most of the vampires were basically... They ate people who tried to, like, show them kindness and then just were like, just kidding, you know, oh, I this kid's, you know, on, in the street on his bike, I better help him. Nope, you're dead now. Oh, I'll give these people a ride, you know, nope, you're dead. So they were dicks, but I do love me some Daddy Paxton. <laughs> I, I, I like that they, like, uh, these vampires are really scrupulous about who they recruit. Like, they're not just biting, eating anyone because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge commitment. I mean, I can't imagine if I was a vampire having to decide, oh, who do I want to make live for a billion years? You know, because that also is part of the baggage that, <laughs> you know, comes with it is that, you know, now this person is going to be around for a billion years and they're going to be trying to eat the same people you're trying to eat. You know, there's too many vampires in this town for both of us, that kind of scenario. <laughs> but, you know, I saw this movie uh, also in the 2000s. I didn't see it when it came out. I feel like I put it in this category of like like Cinemax after dark uh, art erotic <laughs> horror which is it's not really that erotic but unfortunately no boobs in this one right no boobs uh, well they I mean did anyone see any boobs no you see all of that one woman's boobs besides her nipples it's like all of the boob yeah some of these movies that came so out in like the late the 80s early 90s um that had a similar like art house feel um, now are like my favorite uh, mm-hmm. horror movies. When, when back then I was definitely looking for something a little more lowbrow and gory. Yeah. Same. I, I would totally, I had totally had the same like kind of journey. I had never, uh, I had never seen this one and this is definitely my favorite of the week 
Um, great pick, Kevin. <laughs> this, when I watched it, was on Criterion a few weeks ago. We talked about this movie, um, and it was on the Criterion Network, like uh, Kevin said. Um, but there is a version uh, on YouTube for free, and it's one of those weird, I don't know what you call it when it's, I think they do this to get away from, um, to somehow elude the YouTube cops, but it's where it's only part of the screen, and they have yeah, they something have else like, going. They have like the Olin Mills <laughs> background. Yeah. So there is a full version of Near Dark on YouTube, and I watched it uh, once on Criterion, and then it was gone, and I watched it again uh, on YouTube last night just to have it fresh mm -hmm. in my mind. Um, it's a little sped up, but I didn't really notice that. I just I noticed that it's only an hour and 18 <laughs> minutes on YouTube, which didn't... See, that was the first thing I noticed, and I was like, why? It didn't detract. It's hard to focus. There's so many bit, movies but... now that... Um, <laughs> For whatever reason, maybe they're not available online because they're older. Yes. Or some of these foreign releases that come out that we don't have access to. Like, I will watch anything, any version that I get. I don't care if there's a guy standing right up in the middle of the screen in the movie theater. <laughs> like, if there's weird, like, uh, a Mountain Dew logo on it the whole time. Or, like, I have to block pop-ups. I'll do whatever. It's And it reminds me of when you, you had to look between the lines to see the porn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's that same sort of viewing. It's just like squinty-eyed, late night. I think it's better than that. Uh, well, don't don't be afraid to um, to dial this up on YouTube. I I did it last night. I wasn't distracted at all, and maybe that's just because I love this movie so much. This is one of two vampire westerns that we watched this week, and I don't know what it is about. The vampire western setting that really, um, I guess you could say I'm a sucker for it, um, but there's something really spooky about, the, especially when you get into like the American Southwest, um, there's a lot, we, we talked about Let the Right One In um, back in episode one, the remake Let Me In, the American remake was set in the American Southwest. You have movies like um, From Dusk Till Dawn, and the list sort of goes on. Another one we'll talk about tonight, um, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. I just love that, that vibe. I love that feel, and I loved that this was a... I guess, it, it, I don't know what you call a group of vampires. Is it a coven? Yes. What, what, you, you call it a coven? Mm-hmm. You call it a coven? That's what they're called. I thought that was just witches. I mean, it's a great, yeah. I thought it was like a clan. Um, or like a nest. According oh, to Punipedia, <laughs> oh, when I was looking oh. it up, my puns for the week. Uh, We're questioning the actual only goth kid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a coven. Okay. Well, I you might don't be wrong. see, normally, normally in vampire movies, it's the singular, soul, lonely, lone wolf vampire. Rarely do you have this very tight-knit sort of group. They're almost like a rock band or a, a band of gypsies or carnies. They're in this um, camper van. They're out on the road going from town to town, hotel to hotel, bar to bar. I mean, people procreate like crazy in these small Midwest towns anyway, but imagine if every time you bit someone, you made another vampire. Yes. You know, that's... So I think the packs of vampires would be likely, you know, instead of these one-offs. Mm -hmm. They seem to... There's a difference between, like, they seem to... Some people they just feed on, and then some people they... I don't know how they decide who no, turn. Well, I, Do they just turn everyone because they bring Caleb into the group? Mm -hmm. But they feed on lots of people that and kill lots of people yeah. that they don't 
bring into the group. Now, do they all turn into vampires? It's unclear to me. No, I think I think if they kill them during the act, they don't come back. But if they just feed on them, <laughs> it seems like instantaneous. Well, that yes, was another thing, too, it. that was kind of weird is uh, they didn't really explain much. Uh, there was some sort of intravenous thing happening that was helping people, and we had no idea what was going into them, why it was helping them. That was the only part. The they were blood transfusion, so basically kind of like the the alternate ending to like 28 days later they're trying to say that if you give somebody a near full blood transfusion it will cure yes. them um and you're that's right what they, they do, do um, kind of gloss it over but um, well, that's what they no that's what they do in bram stoker's dracula as well remember they give lucy the transfusions right. that's yeah but it don't work it don't work it don't work i i appreciated the uh the happy ending i will say I'm a sucker yeah, so for there those. is there is so sort of a, nice a love me, angle to this, um, which you know I don't know I thought it for the most part worked. Um, I think anything with Bill Paxton playing this character in it, you could drop him into any movie and I would watch it mm. again. <laughs> Maybe not as many times as Near Dark, but yeah, uh, he's fucking out of his mind. I feel like you could also have dropped any other actor into that role oh. for this one. Oh, I like Bill Paxton. But okay, okay, uh, Kurt Russell. You no, no, he you wasn't know what, Dave, even Dave, you nailed it. I, I think no, Dave, you nailed it. Um, a couple weeks ago, you said that Rowdy Roddy Piper could just be substituted for Bill Paxton <laughs> in this movie, <laughs> yes. and it's true. Like he's especially in the bar scene, which the bar yes. scene this is one of my favorite scenes in yeah. any yeah. movie ever. But it's it's Bill Paxton doing Rowdy Roddy Piper doing Bill Paxton as a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> that that whole bar scene is so weird and it got me thinking like do you think that it's never like made clear in this movie but do you think that people are aware of vampires because the bar scene is is fantastic but it's so weird there's like very little reaction to the first killing it's almost like the people in the bar watch them kill the first person and they're just ready to order their next drink and then it devolves into like chaos and by the time it gets to the you know come on dance with me scene oh, it is just brutal that poor guy i always love it when the uh there's always the shady guys playing pool in movies <laughs> and usually you know you you have a run in in the parking lot or something with these guys uh, they try to buy you a drink <laughs> they 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 do this the the sarcastic drink buy and then you know you have trouble but I like yeah. it when they get it. Whenever the pool, the the badasses playing pool get killed, I, that's a very satisfying moment for me. The way the the way this whole bar scene unfolds to me is just masterful, and there's sort of a mounting dread. Uh, like you said, Kevin, like oh, they're they're hanging out. This is a pretty uh, rough and tumble place out in a rough and tumble area, and yeah, so you know, somebody gets in a fight at the bar, you, you, you don't want to act like you've never seen it before, you don't really want to act like anything is startling you you've seen some blood in there you've seen some guts um, but yeah, eventually uh, the bartender's getting the gun out and then things really start going off the rails and I, I do want to you know, point out the, the rest of the cast too, because one of the other vampires is played by, you know I think we could call him a horror legend. It's in Lance Henriksen. Um, oh, man, I love it. He's my favorite character, Jesse. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and then uh, 
Jenny Wright uh, plays May, um, who is the love interest that we're talking about. Adrian Pazdar plays Caleb, who is the unsuspecting young man who is turned and brought into this group kind of reluctantly. Um, and then Jeanette Goldstein as Diamondback. And it's uh, Paxton, Henriksen, mm-hmm. and Goldstein who all um, had just starred the year prior um, in Aliens. Uh, which was a, a James Cameron flick. And at the time, James Cameron um, was thought to be messing around with Catherine Bigelow a little bit. Uh, then most of his cast ends up mm-hmm. in her movie. Then he cameos in the movie as the guy that flips off Pacton's character, Severin. And then the next year, Catherine Bigelow and James Cameron got married for a brief two-year nuptial. Oh, my God, I'm tearing mm-hmm. up. I'm cl- I'm clutching my pearls and tearing up right now. That's such a beautiful story. Kevin, you, you mentioned uh, Point Break, and this is this was uh, Catherine Bigelow's second feature. She did a movie called The Loveless uh, before this with Willem Dafoe that I haven't seen. It looks interesting, but this is a future Academy Award winner for Best Picture and Best Director, uh, The Hurt Locker. I forget what year that was, mm-hmm. but this is yet another um, person who got their start in this kind of seedy underground horror movie and uh, walked home with all the gold. Oh, just like Peter Jackson. Uh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This, yeah. No, Bigelow's, Bigelow's uh, filmography is incredibly diverse. Um, I, think it's pronou- I, I think it's pronounced Bugalo. Yeah, okay. Hey, we're not listening to you anymore. You keep advising us on how to pronounce things, and then we every, sound like a bunch every, of stupid <laughs> rednecks. They're all wrong. Every single one is wrong. Like bottom. Anyway, this this movie, you know, a lot of vampire movies uh, take this kind of um, metaphor with heroin, um, with addiction generally. But I think this movie very much gets into that sort of, you know, I think that the gang, the gang is sort of like the junkie gang. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way, but once you're brought into this, once you're initiated, your life changes drastically. (laughs) And all you really have is this group of people and you're all addicted to the same thing and that was sort of i thought one of the things where they're pushing caleb to to finally do his first kill he's kind of baby bird fed by may she lets him drink her blood and then she does a kill for him and at some point the gang leader um jesse and the rest of the gang they're like you got to go make your kill you got to go do something for the group and to me that was um pretty obvious like you gotta you gotta make the score tonight you know you're you're getting a free ride we're out there getting all the stuff and when are you going to go out and bring something home that we can all do i thought i think that runs through pretty much all of the movies we watched this week as a sort of a metaphor i guess i also liked uh in this movie they got hit with a uv rays from the sun in the morning like every vampire does um I like the way that they just like caught on fire and started smoking. I like that much better mm-hmm. than when they dissolve. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't yeah, like the dissolving vampires. Uh, it's yeah, a very yeah, bad instinct. digital effect. Yeah, instant when cremation. he's just like walking yeah. under the yeah. blanket that's on fire, and all the cops are like, "What the fuck?" I think that there shows <laughs> that this town is never like they don't know fucking vampires exist. You know, so they're seeing someone walking on fire yeah. and get to a car, and they're like, "What do we shoot? What do we do?" Like, what is this? I feel bad for pe- people who aren't from cities like Portland and, and never get to experience vampires <laughs> and lobsters and red hot dogs. And <laughs> Italian sandwiches. 
the yes. theme that you were talking about, trying with like the drug addiction too. I think I picked up on like a really strong theme of of family again in this one, where Caleb, you know, sort of is is ripped away from what is seemingly this perfect family and joins, you know, the Sex Pistols basically. Um, and May is a part of you know the vampire rock band, um, and the movie kind of moves along, sort of focusing on their quasi love story. But at the end of the day, it comes down to they each have to pick their families um, or not. And then, and then they kind of have to figure out if they're picking each other as well. Um, so the love story worked mostly for me, um, but I kind of think one of the overlooked things, because it, it is a horror movie um, and a Western, is sort of that, that theme of family. Sect. Um, we, haven't, we haven't figured out what the name of vampires are, but when they all kind of work together and they look out for each other, it's like, it's like a gang. I think I think Kat looked it up and she said it's Coven and we just don't like that. Yeah, I, I think is what I think is what happened. Is it, is it really? because, that's, is it because that's my name? That's what. I, let's hold on. Let's take a quick. I wish it was something um, better. I mean, I, I think I've heard it called Nest before, but a nest seems like of, they wouldn't leave. That's These guys their home are on the base. Road. Yeah, that's like what Sam right. and Dean from Supernatural call it. Yes. Wait, it wait, is. Do, do vampires lay eggs? I mean, how do they procreate besides for already just... They're, no, I think they're mammals. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> and what um, happens if you well, get... A cat, you probably know this. What happens when you get uh, impregnated by a vampire? What was the question? In your in your experiences, what uh, what happens when you get impregnated by a vampire? Is your child a vampire? Or the- According to the, um, I think, Academy Award-winning film Twilight... Uh, oh. you would then give birth to a super baby that will someday um, fuck your ex-boyfriend who is a vamp- uh, a werewolf. Okay, I think now, that's would, what happens. Would, if you were to uh, abort a child like that, would you do it the same uh, ways or would you need a stake through the heart or maybe uh, some liquid garlic in a bottle? Yeah, probably like you take like a douche... Fill it with uh, garlic oil garlic. and just shove it right up there. From my experience, well, uh, I don't know what other people's experiences are. But, yeah, a lot um, of people probably kill the vampires differently. Yeah, um, I have so, an answer. A group of vampires has variously been called a clutch, brood, coven, pack, or clan. So we got brood. some choices. You, you said clutch. clan, Kevin. I know. I, I yeah. always thought it was a vampire clan. A shimmering shape suddenly appears out of thin air. A shape, a, sh- a shape, a, sh- a shape that takes on human form. Final, fi- finally crystallizing into focus. I let you know from the get go. A little garlic in the cross won't stop this blood sucking this. Slave making this, hostage taking this, sneakiest, continental rapist. Make no mistake in this. I'm not speaking on the fictional, figuring the folklore, but more like the type to provoke war. Spread a lot of the poor. Dave, what'd you bring to the table this week? Um, I brought 1992 Bram Stoker's Dracula, um, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. And, uh, you know, when we were talking about Near Dark, the Midwest setting, and how that works, I was kind of like tying those together in my mind with like spaghetti westerns and like the really gory Italian um, mm films of like the late 70s and 
you know, the thing, you know, with, with this Dracula, it's very much an homage. It's Francis Ford Coppola. Everyone knows Mr. Gangster, the Godfather trilogy. I mean, uh, you know, I, I love it when these old Italian guys who were brought up on, you know, Bava and Fulci and Romero, when, when they attempt a horror or a thriller, uh, it is always very rooted in that old 50s traditional horror movie style. And Dracula was a huge homage to this, especially in a time where uh, a lot of the production in horror movies was really flashy and over the top. Um, and this was even more so. It took that to a further degree. I think it, it took it to a cooler degree because it was all practical effects, natural shots, and you could tell when they're trying to do a, an effect that is maybe campy, but you can tell they're doing it on purpose. Another movie that I'm going to uh, touch on um, in a couple episodes is Cape Fear, uh, Martin Scorsese's take on uh, a thriller or a horror movie. And I just love when these old gangster guys, I mean, these gangster movies are, are considered kind of the, the, the best of the best um, of filmmaking. And I think a lot of times what you have to put up with in a lot of horror movies is bad acting or um, some bad dialogue. And sometimes it's fun, other times it's like, man, you know, that could have been a great movie if it had just been a little more refined. And that's exactly what uh, Francis Ford Coppola's uh, Dracula uh, is it's it's very refined. It's a and it's and it's weird that he has Bram Stoker uh, in the title because they did rewrite um, the story. It wasn't exactly from the book. Uh, those they added a, the love story, which I, I thought was really cool. It added to the the elegant beauty of all the effects. Um, you know, we we all talk about everyone talks about Keanu Reeves' performance in this movie. Um, as being really detracting. I didn't really find it uh, to be that detracting, although uh, I've read some interviews uh, with Coppola, who <laughs> he's pretty uh, open about uh, his feeling on his performance. Um, I loved I loved this movie. Uh, I've seen it a number of times, of course. I didn't find Keanu that distracting either. Uh, you know, like, it just seems like... I think he was an easy target at the time, and well, maybe it's not the greatest, what is this, Shakespeare? I think there's so much other stuff going on in this movie that if you're worried about how accurate Keanu's accent is, I just think you should relax and, and try to take in, turn off all the lights everywhere in your house and watch this movie. Um, it's definitely the horniest of the movies that we watched this week, <laughs> which I appreciated. And I, I would say that uh, far from a romance... I think that this this is a cautionary tale about the pickup artist community. You guys, are you guys familiar with the, with the pickup artist community? Cat, you know yeah, those I guys. Know you. Okay, so Gary Oldman, Do Gary ever. Oldman's Dracula, is a guy who, from the Reddit pickup artist community. And what happens is he grows his hair long, he puts on a bunch of rings and jewelry, he has a top hat and some bad sunglasses, and the next thing you know, he rolls in, he's taking everyone's girlfriend, um, you know, like like nothing. Uh, and you know, all the all the women are suddenly like, oh boy, this this guy, he's uh, 
Oh, he has long hair and a top hat. And he's he's so eccentric and pretentious. Well, you know what husband? You know they forget they ever they forget they even have a boyfriend or husband, and they're just uh, you know they're off with Dracul, and uh, then that's the end of it. That's how easy it is uh, with, with with these floozies. The whole time I was just like, they should just be the together. Amount? What him 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 and, and Mina or him and Lucy? Because he's already made his way through. You know, the rest of them, I mean, who can say where this guy's loyalties really are? Right, it's true. I, I liked the giant. Uh, he had a lot of different looks in this, but my favorite look was that where he was like almost a bat, but he was still kind of a human when he was on top of Lucy. You know well, what I'm talking about? Like the kind of No, wolf, I think that was a bat. Type. I think he was a yeah. bat. No, it's no that like, was a werewolf. He's been, he was all three. He was that weird bat like towards the end, a very like weird, like webbed hand to torso yeah, when situation. Yeah, he's, when he's banging Lucy, he's definitely a werewolf. No, he's not. He's a bat. He's not a werewolf. Why would he be no, a werewolf? He's a, he's, were, a, he's a werewolf. Look it up. He's Practical all three. He's, he was like a he was oh, like really? old Look creepy guy, young, hot guy-ish, if that's your thing. Um, bat and werewolf. He's like multifaceted. Uh, Some great hairstyles. Um, I'm with Kevin on this he he what? was he was definitely a werewolf. I'm with you. He was a werewolf when he was having sex with uh, Lucy Goosey. But I I would actually I think saying werewolf kind of sells it a little bit short. I would say he was a a, a lycanthrope during that scene. Kevin, you, do, what'd you think of this one? All right, so I, I have a, a pretty huge sentimental attachment to this movie. Uh, I own it on Blu-ray. I have the original uh, movie poster. Um, this is the first movie that I took um, a girl to, and and it's the first time we ever held hands, uh, and we've now been together for 21 years. Wow. So, God bless the horny movie. <laughs> I got to tell you, there's nothing worse than being a middle school kid watching the Keanu Reeves orgy scene, and you're like holding your crush's hand, and I'm like... There must have been like gallons of water dripping out of my palms. Like, <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, that's cute. Believe it or not, despite that sentimentality, I hadn't seen this movie in a really long time. Um, it's it's awesome. Uh, to answer your question, Dave, the reason it has Bram Stoker's Dracula in the title is because Winona Ryder plays Mina in the movie. Um, she bought the rights so that nobody else could make this movie, and she brought it to Coppola. And she was nervous because she had just recently dropped out of The Godfather 3 last minute. Um, so she kind of brought this to him as like a, hey, can we still be cool? Um, I, think, I think Gary Oldman's performance as Dracula, <laughs> particularly the, the double butt haircut that he has in the castle, uh, is incredible. Uh, apparently Oldman at the time was going through a divorce and was seriously abusing drugs. So I guess the entire filming of this movie, he was a fucking nightmare to work with. You know, there's scenes like uh, when Sadie Frost as Lucy is kind of possessed and, and, you know, sort of doing her thing to dra- like thinking of Dracula. Apparently uh, Coppola kept encouraging Oldman to stand off to the side and, and talk sexy to her. And in interviews, Sadie Frost, who plays Lucy later, was asked, what, what was Gary Oldman saying to you? And she said, oh, none of it is ever repeatable. 
Um, but I mean, overall, I, I don't, I don't mind Keanu because here's the thing. Here's the thing with the accent. Keanu Reeves' accent is very mm-hmm. inconsistent. But if you watch this movie and you want to judge everybody's accent, by the third act of this movie, nobody is using <laughs> the same accents. Anthony Anthony Hopkins, who is a legend, is all over the fucking yeah. place. Well, he um, plays two different characters. Which I, I never understood that he either. Does? Was like, what, did they forget to cast a priest, and he was just like hanging yeah, he out was in, the the beginning? In, the, in the beginning? In the beginning, I just thought it was the same guy. I thought he like circled back and was like, "I got you now, punk." The, I guess not. Um, this movie, uh, speaking of you know uh, horny eroticism, uh, has two of my um, biggest celebrity crushes <laughs> in this movie. I knew it. Uh, Monica Bellucci and Tom Waits. Yes. Yeah. T-dubs. Yeah. yeah. I was very excited by that uh, cameo. Tom, Tom Waits. Yeah, he played a great Renfield. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of anyone who could have done a better job at that. I mean, his was accent perfect. was also terrible. Let's be honest. It wasn't great, but because it was Tom Waits, it was somehow like 10 times better than Keanu's. You, you know an actor that has always kind of reminded me of Tom Waits, though, and, and we're going to talk Perlman. about him next? Ron Perlman. Yeah. Like, like, they totally look alike. Yep. Uh, Dave, look, I've been waiting the whole time. One, I wasn't going to bring up Tom Waits since both you and Kat have inked him on your body. Uh, <laughs> two, typically at this point, I would have gone on for 25 minutes with you guys begging me to shut up about the effects. But Dave, you were so excited about this this week. It sounded like you actually did some homework. So can you, you talk a- about what these what effects? Actually, you know, actually <laughs> is probably one of my least favorite words. Oh. You know, oh, hey, check out my new song. Wow, that was actually good. <laughs> <laughs> wow oh you got a haircut yeah. your hair actually looks good you know um yeah. no i didn't actually do my homework this week i i can't i can't i can't watch a movie and take notes um sometimes i i look up some facts about the movie but uh i smoke too much weed to retain the information um but you know i do know that you know i've watched makings of this movie um and that's really what you got to do because he fired the effects team and hired his son uh, to do all the practical effects. And I, I believe the two of them just collaborated on cool ideas and cool uh, film layers and colors. And, you know, when you're working in that, the realm of like the, the 50s horror, I mean, there's, you can do anything you want. You can have a pair of giant eyeballs in the sky and no one, it, doesn't seem weird to you because that was very much like the dreamlike state of early horror stuff. Yeah, there was a very strict policy um, during the making of this movie about the effects, and they, um, Francis Ford Coppola, wouldn't even allow um, film compositing. If, if they had to do that, they had to use the green screen, and it really works. I, they were going for a classic. Uh, monster movie feel. I think it really works, particularly having just seen the 1922 Nosferatu, and I just saw the original Creature from the Black Lagoon um, not long ago. That sort of very classic Universal Pictures horror on late night local affiliate television, that very warm sort of feeling. Um, this movie nails it. And, and I'm not even, like, the fantasy kind of gothic realm isn't really always my wheelhouse but certain movies can can pull me into that fantasy and, and i was just so taken by this um another there was no green I screen really... they, they didn't use any green screens there was no digital oh, i thought they did 
Yeah, there's no everything post was off at projection. All. Yeah, there's yeah, no post effects had- at all. Nothing went to an editing table or anything. Or they they chopped the scenes together, but there was no post effects at all. Um, whatever you see is like happening as like you said a projection or like a, a dual image happening. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Well, however they um, however they created the um, the blowjob scene, <laughs> I thought was really really worked because it gave you at the end or toward the end. Um, Mina, I've never seen Dracula get a blowjob before. Then a lot of Dracula, a lot of vampire movies have a little bit of sexy time, um, but there's like a full simulation scene, and however that was recreated, I don't know. Um, you know what the details of of the effects were. It was pretty effective. I bet it was. But you you know what I'm talking about, right? There, there's literally a blowjob scene at the end when she gives Dracula. A I, I have I'm no idea what you're talking up. about. I think I missed that that part. I didn't remember it either. When when she's when she's um, turning, she has to drink his blood. Yeah. Right. Right at the end. Yeah, but it's bed, from his and chest. She starts like. Yeah, it, chest. It, yeah, he cut his chest, and she's sucking on his boot. Yeah, I know, but by the middle of that scene, the rest of the way, she's lower than the chest. Okay. Just watch it again. You'll see what I'm saying. Maybe I you mean, guys missed it. Maybe we did. Those aren't usually the types of things I, I overlook. Say, like usually, yeah, I know. I'm surprised. I have notes about a nipple licking, I've, so usually I... Uh, <laughs> well... A little too subtle yeah, for you, Kat. A little bit. Um, I personally was very excited to watch this movie because I found out it's the uh, Dracula film that one of my favorite pinball machines is based off of. So that was fun for me. Yes. Um, I played that. It's so good. Um, I, I think it. there's one at Coast City Comics right now, but none of us can go anywhere, so I guess it really doesn't matter. Um, but it, it was fun for me as a pinball nerd to hear like all the things that I would normally like activate while I'm playing, like Draculia, welcome to my home. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm activating that multi ball, you know. But from the comfort of my of my uh, my chaise lounge at my house, um, I was excited by the Tom Waits appearance very much. I didn't know he was in it. I didn't do any research before I watched this. Um, this kind of falls into the category of like the classic, you know, sexy vampire films in the same vein, I guess, of Interview with a Vampire. Um, but unlike most goth girls, I did not like that movie. So my hopes were a little bit higher, I think, for, uh, for Dracula. Once I found out it was connected to the pinball machine, maybe. Um, but yeah, I thought, you know, Keanu's just Keanu. I wasn't super thrown off by his accent. I did make, you know, a kind of like ranked list of worst accent to best accent, but no one really has a good one as as we talked about, so. I don't even know what a Romanian uh, accent sounds like, so I can't really judge that well. But, you know, why, why would yeah. people, you know, Dracula's got to move. I mean... <laughs> if if you're allergic to garlic, why would you live in like Romania? And they're always in like Italy, and that'd be like me being allergic to coconuts and moving to the Bahamas out of the rainforest <laughs> or something. You know, it doesn't make sense. You like the, the vampires in the Midwest in Near Dark, they had it right. They're in the Midwest of America where people think ketchup is spicy. 
you know, no one, there's no garlic there. <laughs> yeah, the the scene with uh, with Lucy is in bed and she's sickened with, and she's essentially turning, and they bring the mm-hmm. giant thing of garlic and throw it on the table. She starts freaking out like, you know, somebody just passed her a, uh, a bag of dog shit or something. It's yeah. pretty funny. I I think she was probably my favorite character out of the whole bunch because she was she was living the dream back in the day. You know, she had those big boobs. She had all these suitors. One of them was from Texas, which seemed pretty cool <laughs> back then. Small probably, girl. <laughs> having a lover from Texas sounds so cool. Yeah. Oh, it's so you Texan. know, it's so uh, exotic. You know? Joe exotic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I right, think so we free Joe. I think, I think right. just if I can just, I think the best it, scene in the entire movie, my my favorite scene, and I had I'd forgotten all about it, um, is the shadow scene, is when mm, Harker oh, Keanu's man, character gets to the castle. You've got old wrinkly, uh, double beehive haired Gary Oldman, kind of you know spinning his web around him. And the, like just his shadow, and like and knowing Dave, like through finally watching this and kind of digging into it, that it was all practical effects and everything. Yeah, there was another guy dressed just like him, casting the shadow. Yeah, they hired a mime. Yeah, the they shadow could move independently mime. from what appeared to be Gary Oldman's shadow. Yeah, that that, that was just my favorite scene, um, and it's and also that's so basic. That's such a what? basic effect. That's like Kevin, right. that's like Trent's. Uh, hand puppet show you yeah. know it's like that it's that <laughs> basic of an effect and it has such a great uh you know result it, i didn't both yeah. in both the movie and trent's finger puppet show thank you yeah i don't use <laughs> any puppet. digital manipulation with my hand shadow puppets yeah <laughs> it's all practical effects believe it or not trent um, fired the right. fx crew and hired his son <laughs> Uh, my movie this week was Chronos. This is uh, 1993, the first feature film by uh, 2017's Best Director and Best Picture winner, Guillermo del Toro, who we are going to talk about um, a lot more in depth in a future episode. Um, but he won Best Picture and Best Director for The Shape of Water. If you haven't seen The Shape of Water, it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, I went to the theater two nights in a row to see that movie. It's so good. Um, but this is his first. Uh, again, uh, got his start uh, doing vampires. Kronos is a um, very um, unconventional vampire movie. It's a lot different than any of the others that we're talking about. Um, and it's about a small mechanical device, a little gold device, I'd say the size of a baseball, but it's shaped like a bug. Uh, and inside this wind up mechanical device is some kind of insect creature which grants eternal life um, to the recipient. Um, Of course, it exacts a price for this, but um, this device has been handed down, not necessarily handed down, but hundreds of years uh, after its creation, this device falls into the hands of an antique dealer and his granddaughter. 
and um, chaos ensues. Uh, one of the things I liked about this movie is that there are no sprouting of fangs. There is no shape shifting. There is no gothic romance um, other than the familial uh, between the grandfather and granddaughter. Um, but there is uh, blood for everlasting life. Also, definitely kind of does the addiction um, metaphor quite a bit. Um, I really like this movie. It was a lot of fun. It's a, a little bit lighter, I think. I mean, I guess it's a lot lighter than the other three. Uh, Kevin, what did you think of this one? Uh, this is a great one, and thank you for picking it. I didn't know this movie existed, uh, and I love Guillermo del Toro. I always thought that his first film was The Devil's Backbone. Um, so when you were like, oh, mm, always wanted one. to uh, you know, pick Kronos, uh, del Toro, I was like, what the hell is Trent talking about? So I well, watched he- this he quit uh, making films after Kronos. He took really? a huge break because his dad was kidnapped. And he took a huge break from making films. And James what? Cameron gave him the money to bail, to get his dad released as a hostage when he was kidnapped. My notes literally say, save I, all the Del Toro really? stuff, like his father's kidnapping, etc., for the Del Toro episode. <laughs> I so never, you just wanted I to point out that, that you, I never you heard were that able story. to read that on the internet as well? <laughs> no, no, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> just, I have that in my notes. I guys, just I so know. Dave yeah, didn't get the, to it first. Listener, just... Um, yeah, just in, in case you've never heard of there's a site, it's called wikipedia.org, <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff on there. I should have mentioned that um, we watched this movie on Criterion. Um, it's on other platforms as well, but that's where we saw it, and uh, it's a great deal. Criterion has a lot of stuff that you can't find anywhere else, and Kronos is one of yeah, them. Yeah, so my actual thoughts on the film where I loved it, and I think kind of like Near Dark, um, I appreciate both of these movies for avoiding a lot of like the traditional vampire tropes. Like I don't think in Near Dark you ever see a fang, um, and in Kronos, you know Del Toro, who Del Toro has a, a, a long history uh, with vampires. He the guy clearly loves them, um, but uh, like he said, Trent, the blood. Um, you know, there's a scene where it's this long drawn out scene where he's licking blood off of like a sink and then he's licking blood off a floor um off the yeah. bathroom yeah, the bathroom yeah I mean, floor. and watching that like right now during like a pandemic i'm like jesus christ um but it's got it's got our homie uh, ron perlman in it who's a del toro fave he used him in uh you know hellboy one and two um i love ron perlman's character mm-hmm. in this movie um I think he probably is the the reason it, it does feel a little bit lighter, but at the same time, Ron Perlman's character I think is super complex um, because you mentioned this device. Obviously, a device like this is going to be sought after, um, and there's a character who is terminally ill who is is seeking this device, and his nephew is played by Ron Perlman, um, and Ron Perlman is just a slave to to his uncle uh, for the inheritance. So he's lived this this terrible life, um, you know, probably a life of privilege, but just basically being an errand boy. Um, and I like seeing, you know, kind of Ron Perlman's character unfold. Um, and also the 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 actor uh, Federico Lupi, who plays the the grandfather that you're talking about. Um, I think he and the storyline of of his his granddaughter. Um, Again, I'm, I'm a sucker for any kind of like family line in, in a movie like this. Um, I think he gave uh, a phenomenal performance. I didn't. I actually had never seen this movie before, and I wasn't crazy about it. It was just. A, it was a little slow going for me, and I didn't. 
mm-hmm. I didn't like the kills that much. Um, I I wanted the grandfather really get retribution and be like some sort of crazy badass, um, but he was just like jumping on people and falling through glass windows and or glass ceilings. I don't know. I it it wasn't really for me. Um, but uh, you know, Del Toro always does the thing where there's a child implicated somehow in the killings, and I, I kind of like that that aspect of it that. She like followed him around and even and even helped him uh, once he started to turn. But I don't know. It, it, it was a, I, I definitely I started later on in, in Guillermo del Toro's career and following it back. I he's come a long way. For I sure. I think go, I had never seen it. I think going into it, I thought it was gonna you know I was like yeah let's watch Pan's Labyrinth again you know but with vampires kind of situation. Was I crazy about it compared to the rest of the movies this week? No. Did I really understand what was going on for most of the film? No. Do I love Ron Perlman? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I, I do. I picture Ron Perlman at like some sort of casting where there's just a sign that says hired goon and he's just waiting there and he's just <laughs> getting the job every time. He's like, what are my lines? Let me know. Hey, you want me to get them, boss? Yeah, they're it. <sighs> hey, boss, I'll get them. Yeah, it's- <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no actual um, Dave. You alluded to the kills. There's no actual feasting on a on a person until the very end of the movie. Um, he sort of grease the the grandfather who who is turned by the Chronos device. Sort of feasting mostly like on the device itself, and then he's picking up blood where he can, like off the restroom floor and things like that. <laughs> But there isn't the traditional, um, he's not, he doesn't just turn into this maniac who's out there killing people. So he's kind of sort of get his blood where he can. Um, Did you guys notice after he dies, quote unquote, people think that he's dead and they think that he's been cremated, but he's not. Did you notice that his suit is on backwards after that? Yeah, that bugged me. Yeah. It's not backwards like for the whole that, rest of it. Because I think his in the accident his 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 head was twist got twisted around so that when when they were preparing oh. his body for the funeral they just they had the the suit on on backwards to match his head. But then when he came back, he didn't need to do that. Oh, I didn't get that. I thought I just thought he just had his suit on backwards. That <laughs> that whole yeah. Thank you, Trent, because I also was super confused and. Uh, I think I watched this over a couple nights, and I kind of rewound uh, to go back to to rewatch the autopsy scene. So I, I kind of saw the the post autopsy scene twice, and I was like, "Why the fuck is his suit on backwards?" Um, That's why, because in the accident, because he came, he went off the cliff, and he's got but that twisted autopsy around. scene is unbelievable. It's it's brutal to watch. Um, I think any like because there's there aren't a lot of main characters in this movie, but for some reason that that dude that played the guy performing uh, the or, or I, I, I say autopsy, but I guess he's like basically yeah he, mortician. he's the mortician. That dude is like so over the top, and he's like eating while he's like doing stuff to the body and like trying to fix his forehead. Um, that whole thing to me for some reason was like super unsettling, and and there's also a scene. Um, where Ron Perlman is just whistling we wish you a Merry Christmas um, that like for, for like a split second like I kind of found it like kind of lighthearted 
because I didn't pick out the song real quick. And to me, it was like one of the most chilling moments of the entire movie. Um, just this psycho dude happily wish, uh, whistling, we wish you a Merry Christmas as he gets ready to do some, uh, some pretty messed up shit. Well, his his character, Angel, the goon in question, um, he's also obsessed with this upcoming nose job that he's going to get. And he's even like showing people prospective noses and asking them to choose which one is best. And I, it was weird because the next movie we're going to talk about, uh, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, both movies feature a character doing the nose job thing. And I don't know if that's supposed to be... Um, because this um, is Spanish or Mexican, I guess, um, and a girl walks home alone at night is Iranian. I didn't know if this was supposed to be like some sort of um, cultural or ethnic self-rejection that they're so obsessed with, with changing their nose, but it struck me that both of those movies feature that kind of seemingly randomly. One thing I noticed, uh, you guys were mentioning the, the ties between uh, heroin addiction or drug addiction. I say heroin because it's intravenous um, and, and vampires. I liked how this one went with, you know, a vampire being compared to a parasite or a, an insect. Um, at one point when they're talking about the, the little gold insect looking talisman or whatever, they, they say that uh, it somehow works with like how bugs can be frozen for hundreds of years and then come back to life. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I like the insect uh, aspect of it. Uh, and that's, I, I like that this movie was a different take on a vampire flick, mm -hmm. um, even though I, I thought it could have been done better. And I think it could be done better by Guillermo del Toro if he had maybe yeah. the means that he has now. But, um, yeah, I mean, as as a first feature, it's pretty impressive. But sure, thirty years later, uh, it doesn't quite stand. I, I guess with some of these other movies, but it, it's still yeah. for to me for a first feature film, definitely um, shows some some promise that uh, was eventually fulfilled. Well, I mean, the, the insect thing I thought was super interesting because. You know the whole the whole point of the device is supposed to be this amazing invention, um, and you don't initially know that there's actually a bug in there. Um, but really, what the device does is it traps you. You know, you look at uh, Jesus Greece, the the, the grandfather. Um, you know, he's trapped. He's now trapped as this vampire, doing yeah these, these horrible things. Uh, and then you look at, like I said, Ron Perlman. He's basically trapped by his uncle into just being this degenerate thug. Uh, you look at the uncle that is seeking the device. He's trapped um, in what I'm assuming is uh, an inevitable cancerous death. And then I thought it was super interesting that you look, you know, when they finally show you inside the device, well, there's a bug who's also trapped. I mean, essentially, this movie is just people that are trapped mm. in different ways. And and it's a, it's a cool take on, too, where, you know, there's a lot of religious themes here. And I think it's interesting. Maybe it's because we're coming off of faith. But... You know, Ron Perlman, you just mentioned, Trent, his name is, is Angel. And then the grandfather's name is Jesus. Um, so I think there's a lot of, you know, good and evil things at play. A lot of... Well, and the, and the, the Kronos device is initially is hidden in an archangel yeah. statue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was definitely a different take on, like, a vampire movie. But I think what I want in a vampire movie is, like, you know, people feasting on your vampire's vampires feasting on people and then that that gothic romance like that's what i want going into a 
vampire movie. So maybe that's kind of what I was expecting and then was, you know, let down from that. But was it a bad movie? No, I just wasn't, you know, comparatively, it wasn't my jam. I like, I like the premise and I liked a lot of the concepts behind it. I, I just, the pacing it was mostly the, the vibe for me that, that killed it. Uh, it didn't kill it. I didn't hate this movie. This isn't a bad movie. Isn't you know, uh, it looks great and all that. I just found it to be a little bit uh, just kind of nothing jumped out at, at and grabbed me during it. I I didn't have any like strong emotions. I mean, I think there's there's a lot of other vampire Del Toro stuff you can check out too. Um, you know, Del Toro obviously did Blade Two, um, which I think is the best. I think oh, is the right. best of the Blade movies. He had such a unique spin on on the the kind of hybrid vampires that were in that movie. Um, but is that he the also, one where they, he puts his his the guy's head against the sub, moving subway car. Uh, it's been a long time since I saw Blade Two. I just remember uh, really I enjoying. Like, that was it. one of my favorite deaths in in the Blade movies. Um, but he did the he did the Strain. I don't know if you guys ever watched the Strain uh, on FX. I think it's all on Hulu now. Um, that's I actually. I dig. I, I dug it. It's a it's a vampire horror novel trilogy that Del Toro and Chuck Hogan and I think Del Toro's wife all wrote together, and then FX developed it huh. for a TV series. Um, but Del Toro had a movie that was supposed to come out. Like I can't find much after this after 2015, but he was he was talking big about a, uh, a going back to a low budget movie, going back to his Mexican roots, uh, and doing this movie called Silva that had it almost sounds like they live. It was talking about having a Mexican wrestler, a, a lucha libre, discover that all of Mexico's politicians are vampires, and he has to go clean clean this up. Um, wow, interesting. It, it sounded interesting, but I, I it, it, literally everything about it disappears about five years ago. Um, obviously, he's doing fine. <laughs> well, that's probably because someone was like, "Hey, have you ever seen this movie? They live," <laughs> and then he just stopped. Because <laughs> that yeah, sounds like a crazy Spanish. coincidence for the wrestler and the and the conspiracy. Right. right. Real quick, I just wanted to mention that um, I had two ticks on me today from hiking. And I did kind of vampire vibe. <laughs> maybe they were the maybe they were. I wish that I would turn into a tick if <gasps> I got bit by a tick. That would be dope. Like, like the, the like the uh, <laughs> comic book character, yeah. Or just a giant bug. <laughs> My pick this My apologies. week was... Excuse me. Sorry. Son of a bitch. Yeah, Kat, just go right in. You can just say, you know, I, I uh, you know, whatever, however you want to do it. I think she would if Dave would stop. <laughs> My Why pick did he do it on purpose? I was just trying to just go it off. <laughs> I'm going to fucking kill myself. <laughs> um, okay. You know My- <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, 
You don't need like a, we don't, you don't need to wait for um, the verbal cue. You can just, when there's a pause, go oh, right into oh, it. Speaking, I think we, speaking of pause, cat, didn't you get attacked by another cat? <laughs> Before the oh, show? Oh yeah, confu- I got attacked. That was a confusing was ta- uh, text to get. No, get, get out of here. Come on. Come on. Hey, hey, ow, 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 what the fuck? I'm sorry. I didn't want everyone to yell at me when I wasn't there on FaceTime no, right at 8. No, but cat getting attacked so by a cat. A there was just too many cats cat in the fight. sentence for me to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, um, I was getting ready to record. I was getting my little station set up in my bedroom, and I was trying to get a uh, my roommate's cat out of my room, and she decided why can't the to cat attack be in, why, me. Why can't she just be in there? What's, what's the big deal? Because... There's some animosity between the pets of the house right now, where oh. I have my big fat asshole cat Marin, who's right above this my uh, little iPad here, just staring at me creepily. Uh, they don't get along, so she was in here. Then the other cat ran in when I opened the door, and so I went to grab her to get out, and she just annihilated oh. my forearms. Ooh. I'll show you guys. There's a couple. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, I wasn't being Whoa, I wasn't being dramatic. Oh I god. have a literal wow. like <gasps> terrifying wound That's underneath huge. this bandage. I'm not going to take it off. Yeah, I can oh see it god. through the bandage. So, That's yeah. crazy. It's a uh, it hurt. This one hurts. It's a whole thing. Can, anyway, can, can, can wow. we? So that can was we, me. Can we get some pictures <laughs> of uh, cat's injuries on the Instagram page? <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're gonna need. Yeah, I you gotta <laughs> see this. Are you sure? Upload some pics. Are you sure it wasn't a mountain lion? You, oh my god! Could have been. Um, she thinks she's a mountain lion, so and she's got she's she's something. I'll tell you what. Anyway, um, a girl walks home alone at night was my pick for this week. I watched it on Shutter. I believe it's still on there. Um, written and directed by Anna Lily Amir Poor, which I'm sure I'm saying absolutely correct. Um. I don't think I would be overzealous in saying this is a perfect film, but it was a perfect film. Um, this It's a great, it was just like the most satisfying revenge, I guess you would say, flick uh, for me, um, for women who just want to walk home from work at night. There was, um, there have been many times because my route from the bar that I used to work at and hopefully will still work at once this whole thing is over. Um, Walking home from the bar and I would pass Trent's little step. And every single time I would walk by at like midnight or something, Trent would be like, it's a little late. It's a little late for you to be walking home, huh? And I was like, what the? Yeah, Trent, it is. Every, Every time it's dark enough for me to not see my surroundings, I am terrified to walk anywhere. But that's why I usually have, you know, my three-inch nails that are pointy, my pepper spray and my taser. I'm ready to go. But the fact that I have to have all those things to walk um, two miles home from work at night is a very sad and stressful thing for me. And so watching this movie and just seeing this girl skateboarding around, fucking killing dudes that are shitty to in general, but also to women, was a, uh, it was quite the magical time for me. There are some cool characters in this for sure. Like the imagery of the the girl and the hijab um, skateboarding down like the, 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 like the shadowy street. 
that was like a really cool image. That's the director. Oh, she is the director. Not the... She starred as that? She didn't... She, no, Sheila Vand plays the girl uh, who walks home alone at night, but the mm-hmm. director is a lifelong skateboarder, so she filled in on all the skateboarding scenes in the movie. Oh, nice. And I also like the Die Antwoord-looking dude, the gangster dude in the very beginning... <laughs> Who looked like the ninja. <laughs> I did not like him, surprisingly. Well, no, I liked him because it, he was a good character to hate. Like, okay, look, you can't wait for him to die as soon as you meet him. Yeah. Whenever someone has a neck tattoo that just says sex across the, the front, I'm assuming they're being set up to be an unlikable guy in a film. You know, a lot of the women in this movie probably don't know that it says sex on his neck because it's written in English. So it's like when you know, like when the girls have the like, tramp stamp of just some like Asian lettering or whatever. Like there's probably Asians that are mad offended, like, oh my god, I can't believe she wrote slut on her back. But if we see it, we're just like, oh, she's cultured. <laughs> oh, she's <laughs> she's been abroad. That's great. <laughs> this one's classified as the first Iranian vampire western. And holy shit, does it absolutely hold up to that. It's just aesthetically so beautiful. It's in black and white. I just thought this was a great film. The score, the sound design, the soundtrack. They throw some English, you know, 80s pop songs in there. Three chef kisses. I love this film. one. This this is another, um, this was very similar to me to um, Near Dark. The, mm-hmm. I, I love that whole, and it's black and white, so you have the shadows are a big part of it. Um, I loved the the initial reveal scene when you find out that the titular girl is a vampire, um, where she's sort of doing the uh, the finger in the mouth thing with the oh. terrible pimp. I love that. I love that yeah. reveal, um, and it's a sort of like. It's, it's a hinting at like a, a dick bite off scene, which yes. we haven't. I don't think we've covered a movie with a dick bite off, but it is an important part of the horror and disturbing film genre. From time to time, uh, you will see that, and uh, actually, there's there's one coming up in a future episode. But uh, I liked that reveal, and I just loved this vampire. Like I, out of all these movies, this is the character that you know I would be her familiar. <laughs> you know, in, 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 in hopes that she would turn me uh, in, in exchange for my services as a familiar, and then we could just spend eternity undead together, skateboarding around, <laughs> listening to, to cool music. She's kind of like goth, pretty rad chick, and uh, and feasting <laughs> on blood. I I would totally go for it. Yeah, this is um, a very interesting movie in that there's very little dialogue. Um, it is in black and white, but she, she somehow still packs so much into this film. Um, the, the black and white reminded me a lot of um, uh, The Eyes of My Mother, um, mm, which yeah. is not Iranian or, or Persian. Um, but the, the vibe reminded me of that. And then Under the Shadow is another great uh, Persian film, yes. uh, horror film like that, that. Uh, you know, you know, I think I like seeing some of these markets kind of emerging now and, and getting into some of the genre work. Um, but the, the thing for me in this movie is um, a lot of these movies that we talked about tonight and particularly this one, they deal they deal with how how lonely immortality is. 
um, in this isolation you have because again this this movie sort of has kind of a love story woven into it you know you are what you are um, you know you have near dark you know not just May but I don't think we talked about Homer who is like the kid vampire who's actually the oldest um, and then you have obviously the love story woven into Bram Stoker's Dracula. You have Kronos, where Jesus realizes quickly that he does not want to live forever. Um, but I think the the girl in this one is the greatest representation of that. Like you said, Trent, anyone that's got that cool a taste in music, sure, I'll like hang out with you. Feel free to turn me. Um, I also <laughs> thought the characters, like you talked about, Dave, you had like I, th- I think I think you're talking about Saeed, the drug dealer, is the character mm-hmm. in the beginning. Um, you know, he looks like a shrunken down, like The Rock or something, uh, like this wimpy, you know, trying to trying to be The Rock or something. Um, for for a film without a ton of dialogue, she does do an amazing job developing a whole bunch of characters that you feel for, whether it, whether it's hate or whether mm-hmm. you're sympathetic, empathetic, or you just like totally dig them. Um, good for her. Like this, it mm-hmm. really is. This movie really could have fallen flat, and, and to some people, it probably. St- still will um it's it's definitely an acquired taste i think this type of film did but, you see uh, that he reminded you of mm-hmm. the, the drug dealer reminded you of the rock is that what you just said yes the rock like like a shrunken like a shrunken down like tattooed version well, once of you the sh- rock shrink okay, down, down the rock and, and take off his tattoos i mean what do you have i mean that means like paul rubens is like the rock i the, i didn't think the the <laughs> The Rock has tattoos. Yeah. yeah, I think so. He has some tribal Wayne tattoos, Johnson's. maybe. Huh. It's like a yeah, barbed wire. I didn't find wire. him to be like a barbed wire on his the Rock at all. I don't know about that. He's grimy. He reminded me of a guy that um, a guy that Dave and I used to know. I'm afraid. I, let's just leave it at that. But there's a guy that Dave and I used to know who was a drug dealer and um, a scary guy. That this drug dealer. What's his What's his name begin with? S. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you. Honestly, I still up there. I want to go further yeah. than that. Um, but this, this, the the romance in this reminded me a lot of Let the Right One In. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's the whole scene, the ear piercing scene, where um, he gives the the girl, the titular girl, the earrings, but her ears aren't pierced, and so there's a very romantic scene where she. Um, pierces or he pierces her ears with the safety pin so that she can wear the earrings and uh, she puts both in and he looks at her and he says what lucky earrings and I was like oh man what a player great great Lyra oh all they had to do was throw like a Smith song in this thing and you would have been done huh Trent oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, and then yeah and then she gives him the whole speech about like I'm bad you don't know the bad things I've done. You know, she gets oh, in this God. whole thing, which is like, this is strictly the province of lady vampires. Like every lady vampire has to give the speech to the guy before she turns him about how bad she is. And he doesn't know the bad things she's done. Um, male vampires never do this. They don't have, you know, they might be a little reluctant sometimes, but you never get these speeches from the guy vampires. It's kind of a, a thing reserved for the ladies. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of cute. You know, I, I, I'll accept it from girl vampires because, you know, they, they really have no choice. They are, uh, it's a toxic relationship with them. But, you know, the, when you get a regular girl that gives you this spiel, that's like, oh, 
you you know I'm bad don't <laughs> fall for me and all this like I'm not like other it's girls. just an excuse to be yeah. a dick <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, no no that's yeah no that's right it's just oh, cool. an excuse uh, yes it's an excuse to be a dick is what that is yes I like the club I like the club scene so Ar- Arash is the the character we're talking about that becomes her uh her love interest, if you will. Did you guys notice when they're at the club that he in his like vampire costume looked so much like Taika Waititi in what we do in the shadows that oh, I was like yes. immediately like yep. done. That that movie has ruined all things vampires for me going forward. Yeah, it's like what what Spinal Tap did to hard yeah. rock is what what we do in shadows did to vampires. <laughs> <laughs> you also you again you find these vampires in a part of the world that is very rich in garlicky <laughs> cuisine. Uh, curious. Also, um, the heroine in this one is explicit. In in this movie, yeah, they don't just like suggest the heroine. Um, yeah. There's there's literal heroin going on in that um, the main character's dad is is an addict, and so you're not only sort of playing with with the metaphor, but you're actually literally in it. Yeah, I loved I loved the uh, the, the 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 prostitute character uh, Ati. Um, she sort of ends oh, up yeah. obviously she's you know addicted and turning tricks. Um, she ends up dealing with the dad, but that that actress. Mm-hmm. Sex, sex worker. worker. I'm sorry. Sorry. Oh, oh, oh. Wait, I'm sorry. Is, okay. is she not a, she's not a prostitute. She's a sex I'm worker. Just saying, is, that, is that where we're going? The term that we use now is sex worker. <laughs> okay. I still uh, I still call myself a hooker. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, that, a sex worker. That particular I actress. Prefer a hooker. Yeah, Kevin, yeah, get it get it right. Kevin. That particular actress, uh, Mozan Marnie, um, I think maybe like my Monica Bellucci, Dave. Um, mm. she's gorgeous. She, oh, yeah, she's, she's on this show great. called The Blacklist, which has nothing to do with horror, but it's a, a James Spader, um, you know, primetime, you know bad guy show um and she was also on house of cards um i love her character and it may just be because i love her cat what what do we call um what do we call pimp pimps now what would the pimp in this movie be called an exploitative asshole oh wait how can he he's a sex manager i take offense to that um Listen, I'm just giving, I'm just trying to educate you guys. He's a, he's not, a sex he's a sex supervisor. He's a piece of shit he's is what he is, supervisor. Trent. I don't know what to fucking tell you. Well, I just didn't know if he had a professional title that you would prefer. Well, I'll give him a professional title. Um, I like that um, his answering machine, um, the outgoing message on his machine just says, Leave a message, hooker. He's talking to Dave. That's... <laughs> <laughs> When I will say that that was a very uh, a boogie nights kind of apartment, I thought uh, Sister Christian was going to start playing when they went in there. Um, but I definitely had an emotional reaction to this movie. Uh, there was that scene, and I think it's because I just started relating to that to the girl so quickly. On she's so lonely, and then you know he's high on ecstasy and like you know meets her on the street. And then, you know, he thinks they're going to get all hot and heavy and sexy. So he's like, she pushes like his head up and like exposes his neck. And you're like, oh, is she really going to kill the main character like right now? 
But then she just like, you see her head slowly go down. And you're like, oh, is this gonna be sexy? But she's just listening to his heartbeat. And I just started, oh. to, I cried. I cried, wow. I will say. I had, a, I had to pause. I was like, <laughs> it's fine. I'm not lonely. If, if vampires were real, like they, it, we would just all be vampires mm-hmm. now. Because if I got to be a vampire, I would immediately call up like all my friends, like, dude, I have to suck your blood. Check it out. <laughs> dude, check this out. I suck your blood. You suck Kevin's blood. And then we all become vampires. We can do the podcast for a thousand years. Get, Let's a, go. get a camper van, paint the windows black. Let's hit the road, baby. Real quick on next week's episode, we're going to be doing Home Invasion. We're going to be watching Funny Games, which you can find the original on Criterion. The 2007 remake is free on Voodoo. We're going to be watching I See You, which is a super recent movie free on Prime. We're also going to be watching Get In, which is another recent movie on Netflix. And we're doing 1979's One of Stranger Calls, which is free if you have Showtime or Amazon with the Showtime add-on. So please watch and join us next week for a discussion on Home Invasion. Thank <laughs> you.